Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Last Drama Podcast. It's Melissa here. We are trying something new today. Um, for those of you who have never listened to the Last Drama Podcast, this is a podcast for moms and parents everywhere, especially those of you who are in the trenches, um, kind of getting through day to day. We talk about um, hard stuff, easy stuff, funny stuff, um, and we try and just kind of keep everybody as connected as possible. Today, we have a really, really fun thing that we're going to talk about. We are talking to NJ. May, who is um, leading up this amazing, amazing project that um, is really studying and digging into pandemic babies and kind of what we've all gone through over the past couple years. Um, oh, God, I can't believe it's been a couple years in terms of the pandemic and being moms and having babies. You're listening to Latch Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, busy mom of six and owner of LatchMama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. And can I just say, I'm so happy to be the first person to try this way of technology (laughs) and being on the podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting The the bright light in my face, I probably should have done some more makeup this morning, but it's fine. That's not why we're here. We're here. We're here to hang out in all of our in, in all of our uh, Friday afternoon sunshine glory. So um, where are you coming? Where are you? Where are you right now? And tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, everyone. My name is Njma Russell Kamara, and I'm currently in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is not 29 degrees. It's in the <laughs> 60s. It's awesome. I love it. Um, what? Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what got you started on this project, kind of what it is. Give us kind of the, the rundown. Absolutely. So I come to this space as a proud mom, first time mom of a soon to be nine month old baby, Um, a baby girl was born in July. And uh, it's such a journey. Like I get it now. I get what everyone says when people are just like obsessed with their babies. (laughs) Um, I I come from a performing arts background. I uh, got my MFA from UC San Diego in acting. And I've also been on a journey of just like really um, striking up community engagement, community conversations as a way of healing, especially during this time where there's just, there's a lot going on. Like that's nothing new. Um, But what can we do to continue to so seeing people and hearing people and and empathy um, and curiosity? Yeah. So, so that's where my community engagement and my performing arts background sort of come together. I also love steak burritos. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Do you guys have good burritos out in Wisconsin? We sure no. could. Yeah, we could improve. Yeah. But you know, I having lived in California for a time, I'm a big yeah. fan of their California burritos. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if Wisconsin's really known for their burritos, really. I don't know. It, it depends yeah. on where you go, right? Depends on okay. the restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. So what brought you towards studying this or gathering these stories from people about kind of being a mom during the pandemic? Absolutely. So first, I want to say that um, it's amazing all the different things that we can do as moms and find time to do. And one of the things that I tried to find time to do was just to, at nighttime, take a a class one day a week. And it was a self-expression and leadership class. And we were tasked with an assignment to start a project that had nothing to do with work. Okay. 
and something that you cared about and you could do every day. I was like, okay. Okay. Um, I love talking about my child. And, uh, <laughs> I, and I reflected on a conversation I had with a pregnant mom who said that the reason why pandemic babies are so advanced is because their mothers got to work from home okay. and were less stressed. Because there's a lot of TikTok and Instagram videos going on about mm -hmm. these pandemic babies. Some, some of you listeners probably seen it. And I thought, well, I was really stressed during mm -hmm. the pandemic. And at the time I didn't, there wasn't a vaccine and I was, had yeah. so much morning sickness. So I thought, okay, why don't I create a project that documents and archives and makes history of what people actually went through giving birth, adopting, mm -hmm. being pregnant during the pandemic and see like, were people less stressed? How, how many people did get to work from home? And yeah. we're less stressed. <laughs> it's so funny because like, you know, at Latch Mama, I mean, I have, I have six kids now. So the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, there wasn't a vaccine and, you know, what were we going to do? I had a young baby, but not so young that, you know, if she got a fever, it was going to be a bad thing or anything like that, you know, and we were pretty locked down, which was, which was good. Um, but it was very interesting because at Latch Mama, we, you know, have people who work for us who have babies and they bring them to work. So the stress feeling was definitely there. Um, but it wasn't until I got pregnant while the pandemic was still going on, because I feel like it's been lasting forever, that I really, really started to feel that, oh my gosh, like what happens if I get COVID? Like, what is this? What is this? This study says this, but this study says that. And should I get vaccinated? And should I not? And are there studies? Oh my gosh, I cannot imagine somebody being less stressed during the pandemic with a baby than, yeah. you know, not. Yeah, so. especially when you were pregnant before the vaccine or yeah. when the vaccine came out and you were like, Absolutely. should I take this? What's the science on this? Yeah, because there wasn't any because nobody, you know, I mean, I guess I guess it's hard to test pregnant women with the vaccine. but That's a whole nother thing. But um, mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about what you found out by gathering these stories. I find ah, ha, ha. I <laughs> found out that, first of all, a lot of people were really excited to just share their story. To okay. just talk about yep. it. Yeah. And I and maybe that's just um, a consequence of just the different layers of isolation. Yep. 100%. Mm -hmm. um, I found out that not everybody felt open to sharing their story necessarily just in everyday life because if they did get to work from home, sometimes people didn't find that they, you know, that they had it okay compared to other people that were essential mm -hmm. workers. So they didn't they they didn't like to compare themselves to essential workers. And they thought, well, you know, can I can I complain? You know, working from home was a privilege. Mm -hmm. But also, when digging into their stories of isolation, it's like, yeah. uh, no, your isolation was valid, even though you got to work from home. Absolutely. And isn't that just motherhood in general? Like, I feel like we're always comparing our struggles with others. And, you know, do we have it harder? Do we have it easier? Like, it's such a such kind of like a micro look at like motherhood in general and why it is so isolating, even outside of a pandemic, you know, mm -hmm, but what mm -hmm. a what a cool thing to kind of dial down to is like, hey, you know what? No, your feelings are valid, you know, and, and your story is, is worthy of being told as well. Um, mm -hmm. Did you see any? <laughs> stories of children actually being more advanced? 
Um, no one, ever, no, no one actually shared if their child was uh, advanced <laughs> or not. Really, what what people were really talking about was just what did they what did they experience? What did they go yeah. through? And they, and I I appreciate that because we want to leave it up to the listener to mm-hmm. make up for themselves. You know, what do you think about that social theory? Yeah. Do you think that hearing the story? Do you think that people were less stressed? <laughs> you know, and and also if a child is more advanced. Uh, because of the pandemic, on a certain level, it's just like, um, who cares? It's yeah. not really about that, yeah, right? It's absolutely. not really about, yeah, it's really giving voice to the parents. 100%. So do you want to share a story or two that like really hit you or really had like a resounding effect? I mean, I know we want people to go read them all, but are there any memories that you have through gathering these stories that you were like, oh my gosh, this is such important work that I'm doing. It's such healing work. Absolutely. I, I, I was with a, speaking to a mom who was talking about her experience with doing um, IVF. Okay. And there was a moment where she shared that people think about the COVID affecting the shortage supplies, mm-hmm. um, or the chain chains shortage in the chain supplies. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there was a moment where she went to the pharmacy and they weren't sure if they had her IVF medication. Wow. And if they didn't have the medication, she would have been out of all that money, and it's mm-hmm. expensive depending yeah. on who you are and the medication. I mean, you're up to the teens thousands with yeah. IVF medication. I had never even thought of that. Yeah. Yep. And so luckily they did find her medication in stock, mm-hmm. but she couldn't guarantee that that was the case for everybody else experiencing, you know, going through IVF. Yeah. And it, it, it made me think, yeah, this is really important work. I mean, let's, let's get a consumer reporter in here and there's a story mm-hmm. right there about, you know, chain supply issues and shortage of IVF medication just right there or another one that particularly sticks out to me and this is on the east coast actually Mm -hmm. um the first one was in the midwest and this one the east coast is a a mom talking about how she's from you know she's she's from Africa and she's Muslim Mm -hmm. and that postpartum depression was affecting her significantly during COVID and it's not talked about in her culture. Wow. And she is tired of suffering in silence. Wow. She does not. She wants to talk about this because she wants other people in her culture to acknowledge this is a big deal. Postpartum depression, especially mm-hmm. in this layer of COVID with isolation, yep. it's real. And you got to speak up and do something about it. Wow. That's fascinating. As I mean, if you look at the IVF story, you know, there were there were news organizations and there there were people who covered the fact that a lot of IVFs were canceled um, just because of the in doctor, like in office, you know, procedures and stuff like that. So like, but they weren't out the money. I couldn't I didn't hear any of any stories, nor had I even thought about the idea that they could be canceled in the middle of the process just simply because of, you know, supply chain issues, like you said. And that particular participant was mm-hmm. told that she, she, initially she wasn't going to go, she was told that she couldn't go through with IVF mm-hmm. um, or IUI at first because it wasn't deemed as essential. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then you pull on like the postpartum depression where like as a society, we are so ill-equipped to help our moms 
in the postpartum period. And then you add on a layer of, like you said, like the, the COVID stress and the COVID isolation on top of that. And then you add on, I guess, in this, this case as well, the cultural component and what a recipe for just so much sadness and depression and isolation even then. Yes. I also forgot a very com important component mm -hmm. to this whole project because mm -hmm. we do have some funny stories yeah. out there. Like, don't get me wrong. The very important component is that this project, even though we're called the Pandemic Pregnancy Project, this limited series of 21 stories collected mm -hmm. across the United States is a part of a series called Pandemic Pregnancies and Popsicles! Exclamation. And that popsicle part is to what can we gain as something sweet from each of these stories. And the reason why I bring that up is because it's not sharing a sad or a traumatic mm -hmm. or a complex story for that sake, Yeah. Um, even though being heard is so important, but really what's the thing that we leave the listener with to do in their lives or to think about mm -hmm. something hopeful, something humorous, some deep surrender grace, something sweet to walk away with. And it's beautiful that these stories run the gamut and each of these IVF stories, a woman about who's Muslim and, yeah. and um, from an African country, there's something sweet that they give. Yeah. I mean, just sharing their story with us is definitely is giving us something and like what the takeaway is. So like, what has been your greatest takeaway through this whole project and through the time and the hours you've spent on it? Yeah. My greatest takeaway is that even if you are, no matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, mm -hmm. community is necessary. Community 100%. is an essential part of vitality, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. So how, like, so a greater picture. So the pandemic is... I don't know whether you want to say it's over or not over or we're in a little bit of a easier time with it. Who knows? It's all it's all so hard to figure out where when it stops or when it changes or when it ends or if it ever mm -hmm. does. But what what do you think we can do moving forward to kind of connect moms, whether we're in a pandemic period or whether we're not? Um, and how how do we start listening to these stories and, and bringing supporting each other and bringing each other together? That's a great Any question. Ideas? I would say, yeah, the first thing is we always need to lead with curiosity. Mm -hmm. And we have to show people that like their stories matter. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say people reach out into your own communities and see how did your community, how does your community deal with looking at pregnant women, mm -hmm. um, people who've adopted, uh, people who are trying to get pregnant? Yep. How do we even look at something as, as parental leave mm -hmm. um what about what about the uh you know and even across the world what about the mothers who have to leave their kids in order to take care of someone else's child um yep how do we extend this globally yeah i mean it's such it's such an important important conversation and i think probably part of the solution i found through running latch mama and literally touching women every single day and trying to listen to their stories is that honestly the first step is just giving mm -hmm. them a voice and the first step is saying hey i'm a safe place like mm -hmm. talk to us you know within our facebook group latch mama love we see so many women who are just like i'm not here for any other reason than just to vent can you please listen to what's happening mm -hmm. in my life and mm -hmm. those opportunities, I feel like 
where people were especially women who are at home with their kids or at work with their kids or, you know, growing and building their families. There are so many, there are so few places for them to share without judgment. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's what we need to start focusing on as kind of a tribe of mothers is, you know, like you just said, your story is valid, no matter whether you think somebody has had it harder or easier or less privileged, more privileged, what you're currently feeling is valid. And I feel like that is the message that we need to start expressing. And so much of what you've said is that, you know, there's, there's, there's a takeaway from, from hearing everybody's story, you know, there's room to hear all. Mm-hmm. Hearing someone's story does not, I don't care, if, I don't come from a scarcity mindset. Hearing one story does not take away from another person's story. Mm-hmm. All stories can be heard um, because we, <laughs> we all need each other. Mm-hmm. We all need to see each other. Absolutely. And I think it's only then do you gain perspective and you gain empathy and, and acceptance and, and cure like that curiosity word, I think is one that just needs to be used so much more. I love it. I, I love the beautiful and simplicity of somebody saying, I just live a curious life. And it's such a beautiful thing. I feel like, because it's truly in connecting with others. I feel like that we grow as a community and we grow personally. Um, you know, absolutely. And that listening aspect, like truly Mm -hmm. listening to someone else without listening to yourself first. Yeah. You know, being coming to the conversation with like just, yeah, not already always listening. And from that space, we can start to talk about what legislation needs to change. Yeah. What socioeconomic, you know, issues are there that if you are a person of privilege, what can you do about it? Mm hmm. 100%. So what are your goals for for what you've done? Talk to me a little bit about how we can help you push this forward, how we can help. um, I don't know. I just I love the people who are out there trying to bring people together who are listening. And I would love to try and support this project as much as we can and move it forward and move it to the next great thing that you know, you start to do. So well, we really appreciate it. And I, I will say, the first thing is really, we want to archive and we're making history of these stories. And what that looks like is we're putting it on our website, we're putting it on our social media pages, we're putting it on podcasts like Mm -hmm. yours, radio stations, so that people have access and can look at these stories, can listen to these stories and see themselves reflected as another part of being human during the pandemic. And that's so important. And I say that because I know that we, you know, Pandemic Pregnancy Project is not the first to be talking about pandemic pregnancies. We're not, Mm -hmm. you know, but also if you look at some of these newspapers, they've gathered stories. You hear about that. Mm -hmm. And we're we're then given data and statistics and we're supposed to digest that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's great at the end of the day when we are trying to make legislation, but Mm -hmm. also when we're trying to breed empathy, Mm -hmm. that's not always helpful. I don't want to always hear statistics Mm -hmm. and data. I want to read someone's actual story. If someone Mm -hmm. says, you know, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't someone who planned Mm -hmm. on having kids and I did. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that I did and it happened during the pandemic. Look what that creates. Um, And so, so that's a goal. And also seeing where this project goes, you know, we're, we're working on the possibility of creating a documentary. Right now, all of our stories have been submitted are anonymous. And now we're going to get to a part where how do we um, how do we also get more stories of people who don't want to be anonymous? 
And yep. how, how do we really get the, the country to pay attention to what this moment was like yeah. to give life when life is being lost yeah. around you? It's so it's so crazy because I did more press as a business owner during the pandemic than I ever have. And I, it was interview after interview after interview. And they were all about statistically what the pandemic was doing to my business or what it looked like for moms in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to sometimes shout into the phone like you all are covering the wrong thing. You all are not covering what this is truly doing to mothers everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, what I got to cover was what we were doing as a business, which was definitely more than others were. And I was doing my part or whatever, but I just wanted to like, like literally tell them what to cover. And at one point I would send emails to the, the reporters that I had worked with. And I was like, this is what we need to be talking about. Like we need to be talking about the lack of support. We need to be talking about a maternal healthcare system that was already broken. And now you're not letting partners in the birthing room. You're not letting doula in there you know there, there's no there's no postpartum support at all when there was very little before but now there's none because nobody can be together i mean mm -hmm. but no nobody was covering it nobody was sharing these stories without an agenda and that's what that's i right. love is i love the fact that if if you even were to label what you're doing with an agenda it would literally be to breed curiosity and empathy and community which are things that are so needed within motherhood um which I think is this beautiful thing. It's really funny. I mean, mm -hmm. to be completely honest with you, Karen, who helps us book our podcast guests, is she was like, you know, Melissa, we got, you know, we had an email and she's doing this thing. It's like, well, like, what's her revenue model? Like, like, what is she trying to accomplish? And I would ask her the question and she's like, I, I don't really know. And then she'd ask it again. And then I'd ask it again. And then finally I was like, maybe she's just literally trying to do the right thing, which is share these stories and bring attention to the fact that this was a very, very, very big and in somewhat traumatic thing for most mothers in the United States over the past two years, you know? And I think that you are such a breath of fresh air because it's exactly, I feel like what you're trying to do and you're the real thing. You know, you're truly trying to, to share these stories in a way that breeds curiosity and empathy and, uh, it's a gift. It is such a gift because I don't know a whole lot about history, but I do know that when we just keep going on new cycles and we move to the next new cycle and we move to the next one, you don't really learn anything, you know? And mm. I think that, I think that, uh, what you're doing is amazing because you are preserving it in history and we are saying, Hey, if this ever does happen again, <laughs> we need to do a much better job, you know, we, that we do. And I, I thank you for what you said. Um, there is room in our society right now for simple storytelling mm -hmm. for people 100%. to see each other. Yeah. Period. Like, yeah. let's statistics are statistics are helpful. Mm -hmm. Data is helpful. Absolutely. I'm not saying that it's not. We need that. We mm -hmm. also need balance. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, though, because we're in a world where, you know, we are results driven. And I think that that is what happened is that the pandemic happened. And suddenly this you get up every day, you go to work, you come home, you take care of your kids, you go to bed or you get up every day. You you provide for your family. You you know, you work from home, you do whatever. But like all of a sudden, you know. A plus B didn't equal C or one plus one didn't equal two. And we had to be creative and we had to think outside of the box. And I think with that, 
becomes less statistics. I think with that, you need to talk about emotion and you need to talk about feeling and you need to talk about the other aspects of what happened during this time. You can't just consistently think about legislation and statistics. You need to think about what this is literally doing emotionally to especially our parents. Um, I mean, it's just so funny how like, it's mind blowing even, I was in it. Like, you know, you're home with your kids. I was running a business. I was trying to like, I still think about this sometimes. Like those first few months of the pandemic, I didn't know if it was gonna kill my employees if they touched it. You know, like mm -hmm, remember mm -hmm. at the very, very beginning, like, yeah. and, and was it gonna kill everybody? Like what was this, like what were the statistics of who it was actually gonna put in the hospital? Could mm -hmm. I leave my business open? If I had to close my business, what did that mean for my 40 employees for, you know, were they gonna be able to eat or would they have some place to live? What was it like? Literally schools got canceled, you know, overnight here in Virginia, like, and you start to forget about it. And I think it's probably some of a trauma response. Some of it is because, you know, they want you to forget about it. You know, they meaning like the media, cause we move on to other things, but these stories are so important, you know, they are important and we can't forget because it brought it brought so many things to surface. It mm -hmm. also brought a lot of people together. It mm -hmm. brought, made a lot of people really creative. Yeah. And we can't forget that feeling. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's very interesting because when we, when this first started and like maybe like a year and a half into it, everybody was like, this is going to change the way women are looked at in society. Women are never going to be devalued again. You know, look at these women who are at home. They're still working 40 hours a week. They have babies on their lap. They're trying to do all of this, you know, and they'll, they'll never be devalued again. No, nobody's talking about that now. You know, nobody's saying, look what they did. Everybody's saying, all right, let's, let's move on. What's, what's the next topic? There's, I mean, there's a little bit more talk, but I think that that's just for change in administration on parental leave. But still, there's still no mandatory parental leave in the United States. You know, it hasn't changed anything. Right. And that's what I'm that's where I'm like, we do need legislation. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. Absolutely. That, that affects mm -hmm. so many of us systemically. And we also need to see human like human mm -hmm. beings. Yeah. But mm -hmm. it, but if you literally just focus on the statistics, yeah, everybody's better now. You know, not everybody, but the statistics would tell you that people are back at work. People have been vaccinated. Statistics are great. We're going to move on and talk about something else. But I think that there's so much space to still go back and process what happened and still share Absolutely. those stories and still learn and say, hey, you know what? Something like this may happen again in society. How can we be more prepared? Like, that's right. Like, like how, how can we be ready to support the mothers who seem to be going to have to take the majority of the responsibility because they, they took it during the pandemic and, you know, I don't know. It's just fascinating. And I just love the idea of what you did. And I love the idea that the agenda was curiosity and empathy and literally community building because it is 100% what is needed in motherhood as well as, you know, just historically, I feel like for the, for the pandemic for, we don't, you know, so we don't forget what happened. I don't know. Thanks. I think it's an Thanks. absolutely beautiful, beautiful thing. Thanks. Oh, that's the power of the arts during such yeah. complex times, right? I love it. Um, what else? Anything else you want to leave us with? Um, so the pandemic pregnancy project.com, correct? Yeah. Well, I've got some, I got a couple stories. Uh, yes. I love Come to on. Share. Yes. There's time. Please. Yes. A hundred percent. So, 
so this is a story. <laughs> um, age 35, Wisconsin. This, is, this piece is titled, What's Going On Down There? So both of my babies are pandemic babies because they are 14 months apart. You should also know that I work in healthcare. So with both pregnancies, but particularly my first pregnancy, I was really in the thick of it. I got sick with COVID with my first daughter during my second trimester, which was March 2020. It was terrible. I had a pretty severe case of it. So I was in the first round of people before anybody really knew anything. And at that point, too, there weren't enough tests. I luckily got a test because I was pregnant and I work in healthcare. And at that time, it was also taking seven days for test results. I was severely symptomatic for four weeks and then I was a long hauler. So pregnant with my first daughter, I isolated at home two weeks before my due date because we wanted to make sure I didn't have COVID at delivery. I had my doctor test me to see if I had antibodies because if I had antibodies, then it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And my doctor says to me, if you don't have antibodies, then there's no hope for any of us. So I'm sure you'll be fine. I do the test. She calls me three days later and she's like, forget what I said. You don't have any antibodies. You'll, you'll still be fine, just isolate. So I'm back in full quarantine when my due date arrives. Nothing happens to my body. Then another day goes by and it ends up being another full eight days. I say to my doctor, I can't do this anymore. She's like, all right, we'll just induce you. And when it comes time to push, and I did a really good job. I pushed her out in 20 minutes. We had this kind of guessing game of how big she was gonna be and my doctor kept saying, I think she's seven pounds. And she pulls around and she's like, this ain't no seven pound baby. They take her over and they have the NICU team where they're just you know there because they wanna make sure everything's okay. And they're back in the corner and they yell out, she's 9.5 pounds and she's got two teeth. No, really. I yelled, did they just say she has teeth? My doctor was like, yes, yes, they did. I said to my husband, I was like, you need to get over there because I don't know what is happening. So basically, I gave birth to a toddler. My daughter was born very large and with two full teeth right in the front of her lower. And I mean, with my second baby, I was induced because at 35, you're technically geriatric. And I was dilating but having no contractions. And they were going to send me back home. But before they did, the doctor said, let's check for the baby. And so he sticks his hand up there. And I didn't understand what was going on. And his face just drops. And I'm thinking, what is going on down there? He's hanging out there for a little too long. And he says, I just want you to know your baby is currently shaking my hand. All five fingers are wrapped around my finger. Right then, I didn't know what to do. And he's like, oh, Okay, well, maybe I should check if that's the umbilical cord. And he does an ultrasound, and it shows her hand above her head, and she's wiggling her fingers and waving at us. And he goes, well, you can go home now, and I'm sure your water will break soon because she'll just punch through the sack. Another week and a half, and then she eventually decided to punch through. And all of this to say, as a person who suffered from COVID and is a long hauler, I'm lucky to be healthier than expected with two pandemic babies, knock on wood, who are just fine. They just turned out to be very, very large. And whoever is listening to this, I just want to say, be kind to yourself and kind of let go of any expectations. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Enjoy the moment you're in now. Aww, so that was from that. mom in Wisconsin. Yeah. I love that. 
Yeah. That's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. And big babies. Big babies. And the last thing I will say is I, I wanted to give each of our participants a little a little highlight. So I just grabbed yep. a little snippet from I love each it. story and I'd love to. That's fantastic. Yeah. Go for it. Awesome. So, all right, y'all from across our country. Here we go. Texas, age 38. I forced myself to engage my partner in a baby moon and it was risky to travel. And so we decided to drive to the ocean at Corpus Christi. So I was taking a lot of risks here, a COVID risk, a risk of traveling with someone who I was not getting along with and I don't want to get into that. The possibility of a hurricane. And we went down there and I feel emotional just thinking about it, but like, I felt so beautiful that day. I felt free about myself and my body. I felt that I was unlocking the next level of adulthood in a video game. Wisconsin, age 29. So everyone thinks about the supply chain issues we had throughout the pandemic. It didn't affect just toilet paper. It also affected IVF meds. Luckily, the specialty pharmacy had mine. And I just really hope that for those that do choose to do IVF during the pandemic, that they get their miracle babies too. Also Wisconsin, age 30. I remember sharing with a friend how sad and, and kind of scary it was that my husband couldn't come to my appointments with me. And she was like, you're not by yourself. The baby's with you. Aww. And that was the beginning of my need for my baby. Of course, I'm her comfort. She's in my womb, but she's also my comfort. It's her and I together. Arlington, Virginia, age 36. I got this really elegant dress. It made me think of Camelot, like when I was looking at it, it just made me think of like Maid Marian, something she would have worn and it was just really cool. And in this pretty cool and elegant dress with the empire waist, all you could see was from the waist up. I mean, that's how Zoom works, right? Something completely different from what I would have worn pre-pandemic. And it makes sense for me to be wearing something, you know, just completely different from what I did before because I'm entering a new phase in my life, of becoming a new mother. Wisconsin, age 32. The mental struggle, you know, I mean, I was very fortunate. I had friends who I was able to talk to, but it's hard because people still aren't going out because of COVID. It's hard to black out what's happening, but enjoy those little moments with your baby because you know, you can get so wrapped up in what's happening and kind of forget how lucky you are. And I was really lucky to have my sister. Mm. Also Wisconsin, age 31, give yourself grace. You just have to know yourself, I guess. It helps if you, fi if you figure out your people before the baby comes. The people are going to stay by you. Those people who are going to be by you and respect you and, your, and respect your comfort levels once your baby's here. California, age 36. My husband wasn't able to come to the appointments. And alone with this technician, she was so sweet. She just acknowledged what happened because, you know, with pregnancy loss and stuff, it's not talked about a lot. And her acknowledgement, I mean, it sounds silly, but that made a difference. I didn't have to explain it to her because she saw it in my chart and I didn't have to rehash everything. It's like, I just felt seen. Wisconsin, age 35. As a person who suffered from COVID, I'm lucky to be healthier than expected. And with two pandemic babies who are just fine. Whoever's listening to this, I just wanna say, be kind to yourself. Let go of any expectations. 
Enjoy the moment you're in now. Also, Wisconsin, age 29. Give yourself grace. Embrace little moments. Whether it's exactly what you expected or completely different, it's so hard to be a parent in general. And then add a pandemic on top of it, you've got to cut yourself some slack. Maine, age 30. One thing that's kind of beautiful about the pandemic is it's been, it's definitely forced me and my husband to get really, really good at communicating with each other, especially around caring for our son. Wisconsin, age 32. When I delivered my rainbow baby, the COVID protocols allowed my husband to be in that room with me. And we had done this together and we're in life together. And I saw everything hit him so beautifully. And I thought that is my husband. And with so much going on around in the world, I'll never forget that moment with him. Wisconsin, age 35. Prior to finding out that I was pregnant, it was never like a goal. It wasn't something I'd wanted. So like when it did happen, this pandemic is happening and our whole world is being crazily affected. It ended up being something I looked forward to. Just like, I can't believe this is real. And it's just a little bit of light in all of this darkness. It's kind of magical. Chicago, age 34. Pandemic pregnancy felt really lonely. I so badly wanted to share the time with loved ones, to feel physically and emotionally their excitement. Mourning that experience I thought I'd have and kind of dreamt about for so much of my life. And on the other hand, that isolation was like a wonderful warm cocoon that my husband and I shared. A precious moment in time in our lives that felt truly ours. Wisconsin, age 31. I think one of the most poignant and interesting things was actually before I was pregnant. You know that COVID baby joke? Everyone is having babies on accident because they're just stuck together in quarantine. So we definitely got that joke. But when we announced the pregnancy, I was very open about this baby not being an oopsie COVID baby. We went through the fertility treatments. This took a long time. And we definitely were not trying to be pregnant during the pandemic. We were trying to be pregnant before. Wisconsin, age 27. My husband had to wear his mask the whole time at our birth. And I know he would have loved that experience for the first time of hugging the baby, kissing her, and he couldn't take his mask off. But he was relieved. There was nothing wrong with her. And he wanted me to hold her right away because I didn't get the chance with my son. So he made it possible this time because that's one thing that I told him that I really wanted. Maryland, age 35. I went through postpartum depression with my first child, and I didn't want to experience that again in my life, ever. We ended up getting pregnant again. I am African and Muslim. And when you talk about this kind of stuff, some people might judge and say, oh, you don't have a strong faith, when postpartum depression has nothing to do with having a strong faith. A lot of women don't talk about their experience with this. I was like that too. And at the beginning, I didn't even tell my mom about it. There are so many of us out there suffering in silence, and I refuse to suffer in silence anymore. Wisconsin, age 34. I went into my plan. I went into my plan for my birth, and it was unmedicated. When it was all over and I had my C-section, I was like, beside my beautiful little daughter being here now, what did I plan for that actually came to fruition? Ah, not wearing a mask during birth. Everything else changed. 
it's important to just be open to any and all possibilities. We just got a few more here. Also in Wisconsin, during my entire pregnancy in Milwaukee County at my clinic, I couldn't have a guest. I couldn't have a visitor go with me to any of my appointments because of COVID. And I lost that opportunity to have that bond with my husband, experiencing these new milestones. But when our daughter was born, he was there and they put her on my chest and I just looked at her and said, you're gonna be one badass bitch. My OB was shocked. Finally, after I'd done this amazing thing of giving birth, <laughs> we both felt badass. Illinois, age 39. Even as I got bigger, my pregnancy didn't feel totally real. And I finally realized that when you're out and about and people you meet will randomly affirm your experience, I, I was sort of preparing for people to ask me when I was due or make comments that never happened because I was almost never out. And I realized that not having that external acknowledgement was weirdly lonely. It was just another way for that isolation and loneliness to reveal itself. And around my eighth or ninth month, I was in the middle of a Home Depot run and I walked up to this lady at the cash register and she asked, um, or I asked, are you open? And then she said, yeah, just don't have that baby in my line. And I said, oh, I won't. And then she started talking to me about it and telling me her birth stories. And it was just a silly joke that made that made its way into my reality, but it was so touching to me because I just felt like she saw me. And that meant so much to have that one really simple interaction at the Home Depot. It was one of the only interactions I, I can remember having with just a person, a random person. And here we go with our last two. Wisconsin, age 42. I think the biggest thing is really just embracing this time and knowing how precious it is. What a blessing it is to be able to give and provide and to give birth. How special those moments and those nine months are and really choosing how to live it. Also Wisconsin, age 31. There are some days where I look at her and I'm still like, you came out of my body. It's just amazing that through the moments of stress, being at home, working two full-time jobs, freelance artist, doing campaign work all during a pandemic, I see her and I say, you are so happy. You're so present. You're just lovely. Aww. I just wanted to really highlight all of our participants mm -hmm. and give them a moment. I, Give them a moment those are such such cool stories and such wonderful <laughs> gifts that they give back to us you know like like you said the popsicles part it's it's mm -hmm. so wonderful to hear those and like realize how much almost optimism there is in some of those stories that are are, are not not awesome moments you know i mean they're beautiful moments because there's babies but what a wonderful gift that they gave us by being willing to share all that stuff with us, you know? Thanks, yeah, and and that optimism right there. Yeah. Sometimes some of these participants, they don't look at it as optimism, yeah. and sometimes that optimism can be confused with like a Pollyanna-type storytelling. Yeah. But where they got those from comes from a place of resilience, mm -hmm. and that's what we're out to get. Absolutely. That's really, because, and that, that resilience is not easy. Yeah. But it can happen yeah. when we dig deep and we create community as i yeah. was saying earlier even if it's just creating space to be heard like this absolutely right well you are such a gift 
Thank you. And your project is a gift. And thank you for being curious and doing the work. Um, and I think in some ways helping us all heal a little bit. So thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for having so us we're on, gonna, on this podcast. We're going to put this out there. We're going to leave all of your links in the show notes. So everybody go check it out. Give it a share. Um, share it across whatever platforms you all have. And let's get those stories out there and let's build some community. And I cannot wait to hear what you do next. So will you stay in touch with us, please? I, I sure will. It's going to involve some events I, some performances I, we'll see. I love it well you've got you've got some fans over at latch mama so you stay in touch with us okay and thank you thank you so thank much, you so much sure for will. doing this absolutely absolutely thanks for having me